And welcome to what will be the first of at least two episodes of the Meltzer Five Star Project. The show that brings all the boys to the yard to our podcasting world that is, let me tell you something. I'm your co-host, Lorca Mullen, and with me as always is your other co-host, Simon Cross. Now, you want it. What the boys go crazy for, they lose their minds time after time. But I'll be honest... I don't know if they they go all crazy for this one, as it's uh, a couple of debutants this time. Yes, and one that, I'll be honest, I never anticipated us having in the five-star projects. (laughs) I mean, both of them I wasn't necessarily sure of, but one I was like, you know what? I'm not sure this guy's got a five-star match in him in the eyes of Dave Meltzer, but is it a five-star match in the eyes of both of us? And are we both thinking the same person? Simon, who are these two debutantes we're talking about, and what is the setting? So the two debutantes we're talking about are Master Waito and Titan, who are facing off in the final of the Best of the Super Juniors, the 30th edition. Yes, 30 years. Although the weird thing is that like there have been like 34, 35 tournaments, but those were called the top of the Super Juniors, so they don't count apparently. And it's a match that has elicited five-star matches in the past of varying levels of agreement from us. I suppose the first one, again, and I think this would have been when it was the top of the Super Juniors, was the 1992 version with Jushin Liger and El Samurai. One of the early um, duds, I suppose, in our eyes compared to what we were expecting from these matches. Maybe we were being harsh on that. We'd have to rewatch to do so, but... I'm not about to do that anytime soon. <laughs> what about you? Oof, not with our schedule. But El Samurai made up for it five years later in the 1997 final, which I still probably consider the gold standard of best of the Super Juniors finals, where he faced Koji Kanemoto. <clears throat> Subsequent to that, there were a number of five stars around the mid-2010s when Meltzer was just loving it, loving it, loving it. I know that at least one of the Kushida Will Ospreay finals got the five stars. Obviously, the other one, maybe the only other one that would match the El Samurai Koji Kanemoto was the one between him and Shingo Takagi. I think that won the Observer Match of the Year for that year. And also a few of Hiromu Takahashi's four. Not in a row, but the only reason they're not in a row is because he literally had a broken neck during one of them. (laughs) Yeah... So wasn't taking part. But of the f- last four Best of the Super Juniors he'd taken part in, Takahashi had won all four of them. It's like severe in the Europa League. <laughs> and here we are with a final that I don't think many people expected. I've got images now of Taiji Ishimori cornering Red Shoes in a car park and calling him a fucking disgrace. <laughs> You'd have to pull the camera down to catch him, though. Didier Drogba would loom over it. (laughs) G1 finals, best of Super Juniors finals. For a while, Meltzer was just, here's the five stars, let's watch the match. And he hasn't been that way in recent ones between Takahashi and Desperado. Mm. And I know I watched at least one of those and and enjoyed it immensely. And I'm a big fan of the Desperado character. 
With Watto and Titan, you are kind of going in slightly cold with both of them. Titan is only a relatively recent addition to New Japan's regular roster and Los Ingobernables de Apon. I assume he was a member of the Mexican branch of it, the original recipe. And he's now a fairly regular part of New Japan. And so on his debut, I think he just went up to them and said, Can I join? <laughs> They all conferred and let him in. It's like when Watford uh, loaned a player from Udinese, really. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny as well with this one. This is the first time in a long time that a member of Los Ingobernables has been out wrestling with all the other members of Los Ingobernables actually in their corner offering support. Because that has not been an LIJ way of doing things. I think every one of Takahashi's Best of the Super Juniors finals, he basically had to celebrate on his own. Yeah. Complete with press conference afterwards. The only time they would really ever come out would be for the G1 Climax final. I know that Naito, when I remember they were all out for that. Yeah. And they all come out to like introduce a new member. But even when Naito won everything... You know, you're, if you had to watch one match of New Japan, <laughs> that'll be the one to watch. The only bloke that came out to help him was Bushi after he got the shit kicked out of him by Kenta. Exactly. So if they'd all been there, it'd have been fine. <laughs> Kenta ain't getting past Shingo. Well, I wonder if this is a storyline advancement with LIJ because they recently had Sonada leave them. Mm for the just four guys to make it just five guys which incidentally is my diet in particularly down periods of my life <laughs> oh the money bags over here <laughs> i didn't say i ate anything else <laughs> <laughs> once every four days and also i didn't necessarily say i was talking about the restaurant oh <laughs> uh, enough about your mom's diary what we're Brilliant. talking about. <laughs> I do wonder, because then subsequent to this, at the next Dominion show, they all came out in support of their latest member, Yota Suji, and did the fist salute. And I, I genuinely wonder, is it because Sonata was like, you guys weren't being emotionally supportive for me, and I've joined these guys who are a lot nicer. Yeah. And I'm taking the belt with me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Didn't think this through. <laughs> I've got rid of the stupid hair. We have far too stupid hair as a group. <laughs> and Naito's like, well, I know he's not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Titan, I haven't yet seen the personality. Weirdly, like, the whole point of Los Ingobernables to me is that they're meant to be all various types of rebels, people who don't quite fit in with the mould and are sort of outsiders. Mm. And again, that might be why they aren't necessarily as supportive as each other. They're just all united in their agreement that everyone else sucks. Yeah. But Titan is just so earnest. If you see his promos, it's just, I love New Japan. I love wrestling. I love God. I love Jesus. And it's like, I just don't see LIJ as the ones that would have the Jesus guy in them. (laughs) I thought about this. Maybe he's a bit like Kakar in the Brazil 2002 squad, where you had, like, Prime Ronaldinho, party animal, um, the original R9, who was known to adore a party, Rivaldo, like, all sorts of have ended up, like, doing weird and wacky things. And in the middle of it was just Kakar going, I like Jesus, I like my local church, I'm a good guy. Are you saying Titan is LIJ's designated driver? Yes, I'm saying he's Triple H in the clique. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Master Watto, I mean, I was like, oh, well, now they've got rid of Captain New Japan. I guess they need a new bottom of the class guy. That's very, very harsh. It's not like Master Watto was ever a bad wrestler. You don't pass the New Japan Dojo without at least having something to you. Yeah. Mitsuhide Hirasawa, a.k.a. Captain New Japan, maybe being the closest that we've come to not having that. But he just seemed to be of that school of, you know, the other prime example of recent years being Yoshihashi. Someone who might have the technical tools, but has the charisma of a damp mop. (laughs) See, a damp mop's got more of a story to it, though. A dry mop would have less charisma. Yeah, how did he get damp? Yeah, what's it cleaned up? Was it doing its duty? Yeah. And of course... Uh, there have been very few emotional moments in wrestling that can top Moppy going through the wood chipper back in That's the day. Up there. So I've I've kind of been harsh to the mop, if anything, in this. Perry Saturn's going to like kick your door in, in like. But I'd heard stories that when Watto, that when he went on his learning excursion to Mexico, that some people who watched him have said he's got worse. Ah. <laughs> oh. But again, I do wonder if it's just. Like Yoshihashi, you've got that face that is sometimes devoid of gorm. Devoid of gorm. It is gormless, Simon. <laughs> I, no, I got it. I, I just That's savage, is my point. Yeah. But I also wonder, maybe it's just the poor guy's teeth and his slightly cross eyes. Because as we've commented in the past, New Japan has a disproportionately high number of good-looking people in their roster. I mean, admittedly, Ibushi's gone, so the beauty has declined slightly uh tanahashi's aging but aging well i won't say a fine wine but he's aging us uh, you know most people still would <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, a, he's aging like olivier Giroux, just always yeah. like still doing it at a high level and looking sexy as i've said now that sonata's left lij and the weird hair club he has been like you know what i don't need to try and have the stupidest hair and beard combos to see if I'm still good looking. I'm actually going to have a haircut mm. that shows just how insanely good looking I am. And of course, they've got the sexiest man alive if you look at him in his heyday, Minoru Suzuki. Okada, in a way, he, if you look at his video, everyone always likes to bring up the pick that's on his like match graphic against Yoshihashi in their return match that went like five minutes and he had his shitty version of the Rainmaker. And everyone was like, this guy? Is he going <laughs> to challenge Tanahashi next? And then, you know, you, it's that classic thing. You go back in time and say, no, they're going to have probably the greatest series of matches in wrestling history. Everyone always says, oh, if someone came back in time and said that to you, would you believe them? I'd be like, well, if they've taken the trouble to go back in time, I probably would. Especially if it was just to tell me that. <laughs> yeah. Even Biff Tannen wasn't dumb enough to not listen to the old man who gave him the almanac. Exactly. So, yeah, I would believe it if someone came back in time and said that to me. New Japan really do seem to be uh, expanding their tournaments now. As we were saying, last year's G1 was 24 entrants. The best of the Super Juniors, I think, was 16. Two blocks of eight. With semi-finals and final now, not just the top of the block going through. And that is how we Watto and Titan ended up in this, because they both finished second in their blocks. Titan scored the big upset over his faction mate, although Takashi's utterly fine with it by the looks of it, standing ringside with him. 
And obviously they have these connections. I don't know if Titan was friends with Takashi when Takashi was on his learning excursion or if Titan had matches with Watto during his learning excursion. But again, that New Japan junior heavyweight style of the 90s that was all the rage of that fusing of, some people call it Lucha Resu, Lucha Libre Pro Wrestling. And you see it with the incorporation of dives and the more elaborate mat wrestling holds that comes from Lucha. Yeah with the New Japan tradition of strong style kicks and throws and, and the like. We get the obligatory historic exchange as well. Titan has his kicks, Watto has his dives, and so on and so on. Yeah. Um, but to the match itself, I feel like there's a format at this point that tournament finals in Japan have, and this plays up to that format very well. It's a very good example of it. Mm. But it's not the ultimate example, I think, for a number of reasons. One of which is, I don't think either guys are compelling enough characters yet. I think they do everything in the performances well. And I'll praise more specific parts of it as we go on. And I hope to see more of these guys doing this stuff. But Watto and Titan don't mean anything to me yet. And I don't see them still coming out of this match having compelling characters that I care about as much as I do. Takashi or Desperado, or before then, Kushida, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Jushin Liger, El Samurai, Koji Kanemoto. I don't put them up there yet, but maybe they will over time if this is not just a one-and-done. Because for some people, winning the best of Super Juniors is your peak, like your Masahito Kakehara's, and El Samurai, really. And the other thing that I thought was, it didn't have a great narrative behind it, like what was so great about the El Samurai Kanemoto one was that it was at the heart, the, the midst of this big ideological battle between the more shoot-style Kanemoto, Otani, Takaiwa, and the more colourful, masked wrestlers, baby-faced team of, of Liger, Samurai, and Kendo Kashin. Mm. And what was so compelling about that match was that Liger was the ace of that group, whereas Kanemoto was the ace of the other. But it was the ace against like the guy who's second tier. And, and so there was that clear differential between them that Al Samurai was going in as the underdog. There was no compelling story between the two of them other than I want to win this big tournament trophy. Yeah. You know, and I feel like the the best ones either have interesting character dynamics or they have history behind the actual rivalry itself. Yeah. And if you don't have any of those things, then there's only so far you can go, even if you do do all the good spots and you do all the, and you play to the emotions of the crowd and the crowd does get behind it. It's a very good match, but... Mm. I'm kind of preempting it. It's not what I would give five stars to. That's my initial assessment of it. I don't want to get too down on it. I want to talk about good things later on, but I wanted to see where you agree or disagree with me on this. I'm pretty much in agreement with you, to be honest. Out of the two of us, my finger's less on the pulse of New Japan in 2023. So for me, when I watch matches like these between people I'm not looking out for, particularly in New Japan... I'm gonna. I, I am looking for more than the match. Really, what compels me about them as a person? Because, as you've mentioned, anyone who's gets to a New Japan tournament final, there's there's a very much implied level of in ring talent to them. Like that, that's a given. So when I watch New Japan for this series, it's what's what's beyond that. What's making me care about the guy? What's making me, like, sort of look past, admittedly, the language barrier? What compels me to him? That's one of the reasons I quite like Naito so much. Mm. Like, he has an aura to him. He has a presence. These guys, they might have it. I didn't see it here. 
Similarly, Takahashi as well is so charismatic and so odd. And El Desperado has this weird kind of... He's almost like the Eeyore of pro wrestling at times. He seems somewhat despondent (laughs) at moments and and almost uh, not above it all, but kind of emotionally detached from it somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Watto is just the, the eternal hard trier. And I guess this is like, maybe this will be his peak because I can't keep a record of it, but I can't recall many times where someone who's won the best of the Super Juniors then fell at the Dominion title shot later on, from what I can recall. I don't... I don't recall it happening that often. Usually, they follow it up with the title win as well. Yeah. And Watto didn't do that. Now, does that mean it's going to be part of a continuing narrative and maybe Watto gets the big win over either Takahashi or maybe Desperado or someone else in the junior division at Wrestle Kingdom? Because that's the other place you can have your big crowning moment. Because obviously, there's always been aces within the junior division. Back when it was sort of first formulated in the 80s, it was as like literally a junior, like you're upgrading to the heavyweight division. So it was built around Tatsumi Fujinami, uh, Nobuhiko Takada, and Shiro Koshinaka, and Hiroshi Hase. Then the junior mm. heavyweights sort of became their own thing because they started bringing in guys who were not just six foot tall, but still quite slim. They were undersized, your Owen Hearts and your Jushin Thunder Ligers. And it was Liger that you built it around pretty much the whole of the 90s yeah into the 2000s it's partly Liger but it's also as much Koji Kanemoto then Tiger Mask 4 and then after that it becomes Prince Devitt and then from Prince Devitt it becomes Ryosuke and and also other guys around that time at Ryosuke Takuchi then Kushida's really the definitive ace for quite a while then it's sort of Will Ospreay then Takahashi and maybe now is the point is, uh, were they hoping that Watto would be that guy that you build it around for the near future? Can't see it yet because the whole point of his character is kind of building into his own innate, maybe not a shyness or lack of confidence or whatever. I mean, Ke- Kevin Kelly says it in commentary. He was always the guy that just made it. He just passed the test to get in. <clears throat> he just stayed around long enough to onto the roster and perform live. He just managed to stay around long enough to get the learning excursion to Mexico. Yeah. You know, he's also a victim of circumstance. This big comeback is at the height of the COVID pandemic. I mean, he literally enters, makes his debut with no one in the crowd to re- react to him. And then he gets the shit kicked out of him by Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> If that's not a bad sign, I don't know what is. And then Tenzan takes him under his wing. And it always seems like such an odd choice because there is nothing in Watto's style, presentation, or anything that suggests that this powerhouse guy known for his Mongolian chops is the right guy to take him under his wing. <laughs> but someone has to. And you watch. I, I remember watching him do the backstage things and he's like, come on, talk, show us more, give us more. Yeah. And you could still see that he just wasn't necessarily connecting with him. And New Japan can work with that. They have characters like that that are just the unlucky losers, but the crowd can still kind of feel and get behind them. But then it almost becomes part of their character to be not that good. And they can still have amazing matches. There are other ones from this time, like Takashi Izuka. Do you remember that he was the guy that was partnered with Yuji Nagata against Toshiaki Kawada and Masanobu Fushi? when they did the interpromotional thing, but they needed to have a guy mm. that could believably struggle against a, an all Japan junior heavyweight and it not hurt them that much. I mean, everyone would struggle against like, you know, the, the, the pure exponents of shithousery. I mean, 
anyone would struggle. But the status of Fushi at that point was that he'd been a comedy mid-card guy for a few years. So they needed it to be someone... Because yeah. if they're going to Gata Kawada, it's like, well, who's the equivalent of a comedy mid-card guy who's in the junior heavyweight division that suddenly had to be pushed up because he's literally one of only three guys left in the promotion? <laughs> Izuki. So Izuki's like basically bottom level, but you know, someone's got to be at the bottom. Yeah. And after that, for a while, it was Wataru Inoue was one in New Japan, and he did end up retiring after about 10 years or so. It took him ages to get, like, one best of the Super Juniors. And he was never meant to be a junior, but he was just like, he didn't bulk up enough to get to the heavyweight division. He finally did after that, and then he retired within a couple of years after it. And as we said, Captain New Japan, Mitsuhide Hirasawa, Yoshihashi. And the reason that we've had to wait so long for what is now the new storyline of Okada against the next generation was there's literally there were no one else around Okada's generation for him to feud with <laughs> hence them having to bring in guys like Sonada and Coach Ribushi to shore up that main event scene because they didn't have enough homegrown talent what looks like that may not be the case now going forward but we'll have to wait and see Show and Yo are they it seems like they don't really want to build the junior division around either of them Show's taken a ridiculous tumble in the status. I guess that's what House of Torture does to you. Well, yeah. And Yo just seems like he's going to be a perennial junior tag guy, more like a Ryosuke Taguchi kind of figure. Who else is there to build it around? They haven't really had any junior heavyweight guys recently of that young lion class. Yui Mora, Suji, Gabriel Kidd, and Narita have all gone straight back into the heavyweight division. Yeah. So maybe this was like a, well, let's see if he can sink or swim. And it seems like, at least as far as is required for this, he can swim because this is a very, very good match. It's not a five-star one in my eyes. But at least there's something more there in Watto than I've ever seen before. Yeah. Even if what we're seeing is him just doing the standard big main event style, at least he can do it. And it helps that he has a really good dance partner in Titan. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with the match. It's very technically proficient. But for me, it just lacked... It's hard to say this about Best of the Super Junior Final, but it did lack, for me, a why-should-I-care element to it. Well, I guess it's because what it means to be a junior heavyweight in New Japan now doesn't mean what it used to in the 90s, where it was like... People went to all Japan for the heavyweight style, but New Japan was known as the place for the junior heavyweight. And not only that, but it was like the center of a a wider orbit of great junior heavyweight wrestling that was going on all over the place in WAR with Ultimo Dragon and Chris Jericho, in mm. Gado and Jado, in Michinoku Pro with the great Sasuke and Kai and Tai. Not so much in all Japan, but I guess what happened really was the Noah change of it with Kentra Neomichi Marafuji. But then those guys actually trying to challenge what it means to be a heavyweight. And then also, so it was like heavyweights can be junior heavyweights in size in some promotions. New Japan still hasn't done that yet. I know loads of people keep begging them to give Takahashi a chance in the heavyweight division. And to be fair to them, they gave him the first heavyweight title shot against Sonata. So maybe they'll do that. Mm. Again, it's like, well, maybe we can build the juniors around Master Watto and give Takahashi a chance in the junior division. But again, his size will always be a negative to him because New Japan have just never done it that They way. are size queens, aren't they? It's weird that it's New Japan. The promotion that, in theory, did junior heavyweight wrestlers the most favours in the 90s, but still would never quite have the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. I mean... You know, Liger can book and promote Super J Cup, the sumo hall, and that can sell out and be an entirely junior division. But even like, 
You could argue either that's the apex of the junior division in the 90s or the J crown is. But that actually whole tournament took place at the same time that the G1 Climax was taking place. So those matches weren't even main eventing those shows. Ah, okay. It was a weird thing that, like, it was at its most cultural relevance, but it wasn't actually even then what New Japan were building their scene around. It was just, like, New Japan was so stacked that they had a whole division that could even headline big shows. But then when they were putting... It was kind of like the NXT within the larger show in and of itself, I suppose you could say. Yeah, yeah. But now it's just that blurring of the lines, isn't it? Because, like, there's three big dives in this match, and I do like how they tease them. Titan tries for one... Watto ducks, and then he hits him with the Pescado, or that might be the other way around where Master Watto does it. And so they tease the dive for ages, and then finally Watto is able to hit one. And then when Titan gets to hit one himself, he then follows it up with a second one straight after. Yeah. So again, they build it well. So they do some of those things really well, but then they do other things like very early on, Watto seems to be having trouble with his knee. Like There's a bit where they do the run the ropes and his knee gives in on him. And Titan follows that up with a drop kick to the knee. And his whole finishing move is the Indian death lock, which again plays up to the knee. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm watching a Tanahashi match, then I know what that's going to be something that's brought up throughout. And it's just kind of dropped at that point. Yeah. I don't know if that's just because they thought we have to get X amount of dives in. And for, for a final, this didn't seem to go that long. I didn't want to look at cage match because I didn't want to know like the length of time. I didn't want to know the winner. Uh, beforehand really but i was quite shocked when it just seemed to like come out of nowhere i'm used to g1 finals with epic levels of epic epicness yeah this one came in at 24 minutes 48 seconds and of course i think every g1 final of recent years have gone over 30 so i know what you mean but i thought it was the right length for it back in the 90s this was the epic length yeah oh i'm not saying i wanted it to be long i'm just saying it caught me off guard it's your classic big tournament wrestling match final especially in japan you do the mat wrestling stuff you do the indie standoff we get that it's 2023 and we're still getting that spot that was kind of a cliche that they were making fun of by at least 2000 it's like we were saying coach Ibushi was doing jokes about the canadian destroyer 14 years ago yep and where are we now it's weird it's almost like the wrestling style has been frozen in aspic and all that's changed is they're usually a bit longer now, I suppose. Mm. More stuff gets kicked out of. So again, 24 minutes is quite refreshing in a weird way. But boy, there are plenty of kickouts and everything. Again, I do like that they establish early on what their favoured submission holds are. Yeah. And Titan in particular, he won his matches in the opening video package. You saw him beating Desperado and Takahashi in the build-up to this with his Indian Deathlock. And there's... It's curious with the Indian Deathlock. Basically, what is the Indian Deathlock is the way that you got the legs trapped. Yeah. And there are variants within it. You, like, he does his version where it's sort of like, do you remember Jamie Noble's trailer hitch was called that? I think that's mm. what it was as well. And Triple H famously brought it out at WrestleMania 19 against Booker T and JR started jizzing his pants on <laughs> And that was done in like three stages where he's like on the side, then he stood up and then he turns it around. And because I always associated the Indian Deathlock with the Great Muta's version of it, which is what Titan is like the final form of it, where he bridges yeah. and turns it into a sort of a, a face vice as well. Like an inverted STF kind of thing. Yeah. And I thought that the way that they built that up in this match was fantastic. I thought that was the best spot in the whole match. And Red Shoes was a part of that as well. He, got, he gets him in a, a big move. Oh, yeah. He, got, he gets a pin. 
and he's got the leg hooked after he does a double stomp to Watto's back. Yeah. And again, it would have been even cooler. Like, it, if it was Tanahashi, he would have adjusted it and done the double stomp to, like, his the back of his leg yeah. onto his knee yeah. or something. You know, that's those are the things that make me push things up. Like, there's thought into making this match in and of itself unique. You're not just hitting your moves, but you're you're making them work for the situation you're in. Yeah, you're adjusting the move to what's best for this situation. Like, as he's applying it, this is where Red Shoes comes in brilliantly, the way that he works submission holds, like saying, do you submit, do you submit? And there's a moment where Watto just kind of free, like, sort of slumps down. And Red Shoes is like, is that, are you out? Are you out? And he goes to, like, move to ring the bell, and Watto, like, jump, like not jumps up, but, like, starts reacting again. Yeah. And Red Shoes is yelling at him, but he's also clearly yelling at uh, Tenzan outside the ring to say, you know, are you going to give up on behalf of him? He might not be able to do it himself. And then as Watto's moving to try and get to the ropes, you see behind him, and it's a great camera work because you see sort of Titan stand up from behind Watto. And because we know that this is how Titan loves to finish people, we know what's coming. And obviously Watto knows it as well. So that when he then bridges and goes for the hands, it's like Watto's having to do two things at once. He's desperately trying to keep the hands from clasping, and he's also trying to move closer to get to the ropes. And then finally, just as Titan's fingers are about to clasp, is when he can get there, get his hand on the rope. They work that move to perfection. That like probably put it up like a quarter star or whatever in my mind after that, you know. Yeah, no one looks like bad in this. No one does anything wrong. No one does. It's all very good, but for me, it misses that little X factor, that little bit of something. If Watto now goes on like this emotional journey, like we've had with Naito, we've had with Ibushi, we've had with Okada, we've had with Tanahashi, we're having with Osprey, we have with Omega, then maybe if they have a rematch a year down the line at another Best of the Super Juniors final, or maybe Titan. Or one of them, like, this is the match they have at Wrestle Kingdom. Although they probably wouldn't be allowed to go 26 minutes for that. Mm. If they can push it forward by referencing back to this match. And therefore you'll be more emotionally invested. Maybe you will grow to love it. You know, like, the first two Okada Tanahashi matches are very, very good matches. They're not brilliant matches. But what they build up to over time is what makes it exceptional. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So this could be a great rivalry for the next few years in the same way that Takahashi against Dragon Lee was. We don't know yet. Mm. So this is where we are. Like for me, I would go four and a quarter to four and a half for this match. I just really thought they did the finishing straight really, really, really well, like the final 10 minutes. It was a bit like, you know, there's only so many times I can get excited when Titan just goes, (laughs) (laughs) and and Watto as well. They've knocked the other guy for... For, they've got them dazed, you know, in like Mortal Kombat or something, and they can hit their finishing move if they get yeah. it right, you know? Start spamming buttons. Yeah, yeah, where would you go with it? I'd go about four, like... It's weird that saying four is like, meh. <laughs> <sighs> it was very, very, very good, but there's bits missing for me. Like, yeah, the emotive side of it's missing for me. I think it's emotive in just the sense that it felt like this was the biggest match of both their careers, and they played it up like that. But again, it's just like... Mm. They're not characters that you were invested with before this point. With Watto, yeah. we've been kind of somewhat dismissive of him up to this point. Maybe if Watto had like a bigger obstacle, not not slagging off Titan, like a bigger obstacle to, to go against in the final, like a Desperado. Yeah, if it had been Desperado or Takahashi. Yeah, maybe it'd be different. 
or even Mike Bailey, you know, if he if it had been like the guy who beaten him in the group stages, yeah, that could have been a fun way to do it. You know, I was really hoping for Mike Bailey to make the final because he's not the best unsigned talent because he's not unsigned, but he's always like you feel like there's a level up for him still. Mm. Like if he if you put him in an AEW ring or if you put him in NXT. He would stand out even there, I think. Yeah. There's there's plenty of time for him. There's plenty of time. Did you see him? He was cutting promos where he was switching between French, English, and Japanese. And I think maybe some Spanish as well at one point. Jesus. Yeah. Him versus Claudio and a grammar off. There we go. We should have to do... We'll have to do it my belly. Maybe we could do... Didn't he do like a 60-minute match with Josh Alexander on that Impact or something? That might be a fun one to do for Match of the Week. Yeah. All some of his stuff in PWG, which brought him to people's attention. He had a match with uh, Drew Galloway, the best of the Super Juniors, and that was very much a David versus Goliath kind of match. <laughs> but anyway, I think we're, we're pretty much covered here, aren't we, Simon? I would say so, yeah. I don't know how highly thought of his match with Takashi was at Dominion. I had to duck out for that period of time to get something, so I knew I'd be back in time to see... As weird as it sounds, the never open weight six man batch, which I never thought I would say, but <laughs> given who was involved, it was a it was a wise decision. But is this the first and last time we talk about Master Watto on this podcast? Well, it's one more than I expected us to do. <laughs> so true. who knows? But this date of the twenty eighth of May was not one with just one five star match in it, although it was over a longer than twenty four hour period if you count the whole day. Across the whole world. I suppose, yeah. Those crazy Japanese with their early Time times. difference. Who the hell do they think they are? But we're in America. Just as So just as it had been where New Japan had got the day rolling with a five-star match and then WrestleMania came back with another one, we're at a different American promotions pay-per-view, Simon. Who is it? And what is the matchup? Uh, we are talking about anarchy in the arena, to quote Lorcan's clever little uh, play on words. You're stealing my gimmick. I'm not stealing your gimmick. I'm highlighting what you said. I just gave you credit. <laughs> but I don't think I ever said it on the podcast. Yeah, I know. But now it's out there. Uh, taking place between the elite, that being the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page, versus Blackpool Combat Club at full strength, that being John Moxley, Claudio Cascagnoli, Wheelie Utah, and Brian Danielson. But until then, Simon, people want to get in touch with you with more Master Watto six-hour match playlists. How can they do so? You can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I am so known as Simon Crossed Free. Free for the number of dives in this match. My name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N. The other A-N at the end of Titan. That's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put it at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name is Lorcan Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time. Bright lights, girlfriends on a mission. Got work on by for all of the guys. Cause she don't want no regular dude. That's her attitude. She dresses like a Hollywood diva. 
If she don't know ya, then she don't need ya. The fame game is the only game she'll play. To meet her, you need a resume. She gets in free, VIP in a party. Wanna know the hoe? You gotta be somebody. She goes to every concert as if it was church. Cause honey's on a star search. And sweetheart, can I talk to you for a second, baby? 